2: Down. So, to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have it to get 30, 30,
3: get 30, get 20, 20, 20, get, 20, 20 get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month.
2: So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Fiction. It's science fiction.
0: And
2: on our FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside.
0: And 105.0 AM
1: Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery and it's another a beautiful day somewhere in the world, just not here. Um I'm Al Warren <laughs> and of course Eric Shapiro, the, the Doctor, is on the show. <laughs> hey,
4: Good, good to be with you how you doing
1: that's good now listen um I, i've been watching uh, a lot on tv and i see that you um so what's this you've got jewish laser beams and you've been starting the fires in california
4: oh yeah that's me yeah yeah that's right all the conspiracy theories i would bank on them 100 percent. yeah i uh, always if you're if you're looking for a scapegoat you know don't hesitate
1: well i was just wondering uh how you got away with it for so long
4: Right. <laughs> well, no, I think it's good for you to call me out because it's, you
1: know, well, yeah. you've
4: dealt with uh, serial <laughs> serial killers before. So now it's a relief to me that I don't have to ever do it again. Yeah, I'm this actually is going to do it tonight. Yeah, this is like um, uh
1: Jew hunter. Man.
4: Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the worst part of it was with these recent ones, the thing, the new normal, the thing to say was, um, oh, there is no fire season anymore in California. Fire, you know, fire seasons now year round. So it's uh, mm-hmm. especially me having two little kids that was very unnerving. I, we're actually thinking of getting out of here.
1: Well, why are you causing so many fires with your laser beam? Yeah, <laughs> like what's the this deal? Is,
4: uh, th- I was, being, you know, I've co-hosted now like ten times, and this is the sort of content I signed on for. The, yes, the paranoia. Sure. I was like, when is he going to go full blown tinfoil on his head with me? Well, um, yeah, if only if, you know, if I ever had. You know the the whole concept of Jewish laser beams is a contradiction in terms. Because for me anyway, I'm so clumsy. If I had a laser beam, I would like I would kill myself immediately.
1: Well, yeah. I ax- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I can't believe that's in the government.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially with the <laughs> right? especially with the Biden administration. You know, we think things would normalize somewhat.
1: Yeah, she actually yeah, gets I'm- voted in, and she's thinking. I mean, holy cow! That's like really bad yeah. movies.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 insane out
1: here. You're safer up there. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm you not know. going anywhere. No, yeah. No. No, we we have fires too, but it's not the Jewish laser beams up here. It's uh, French, yeah, yeah. French, Canadian. Yeah,
4: Canadians have fires in the fireplace. Yeah, the, a whole lot. We, we have hundred thousand acres burning. Down
1: here. Yeah, no, no, it's the same thing up here. We have the same burning. Yeah. You, you get hit with that stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, uh, just as bad. Just. Uh,
4: uh, we don't, yeah. We're Americans it. are so narcissistic and self absorbed that news never reaches us. We just presume what's happening right here is what's happening. It's all about you. Yeah, it's all about us. Well,
1: anyway, speaking of that, speaking of Jewish laser beams and fires, <laughs> we've got, um, I guess you'd call him a horror author, and not whore, horror. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Mark Allen Gunnels is on the line. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Wow, let's see if you say that at the end of the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you've got a new book out now, you, you so you want to scare people even more. Um, the book is called To Be, and I, that's after, uh, that's an address, by the way. Uh, when your ex wants you dead, they will take you to the grave with them. Okay? Okay. Um, Okay then, so um, very (laughs) cheery title. Um, What made you come up with this book? Um,
3: I got the idea for this book like 20 years ago, and it it took me two decades to write it. Um, But um, in my my younger years, I lived in many a small crappy apartment, and um, really the genesis of the idea came from coming home late one night after dark, and the light in the little breezeway of the apartment complex was flickering and buzzing, and it seemed like such a quintessential horror thing that I thought, no, but it's always houses that are haunted; they're never apartments that are haunted. So I got this idea for a haunted apartment novel.
1: Oh, oh nice. Yes. So, so, did you? Uh, were you just breaking up with an ex at the time too, or? <laughs> uh. Well,
3: I. In my past I have had some some pretty horrific exes. So uh, let's just say I drew from some of that experience when I was uh, formulating the story idea. So you had you, did you have exes that stalked you? Uh, I wouldn't say stalked but I had some exes that it was hard to get rid of. Oh I see. not not as hard as the one in the book. Okay. But but there were some people who just didn't want to go.
1: Wow. So it's, so what's... The concept of the book is really about... Is it kind of like a um, a stalker book? Or is it even... Do, is there another angle to it?
3: Well, I mean, when the story starts, the stalker ex-boyfriend is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main character starts to think that death was not enough to stop him from stalking. So it's it's full of, you know, ghost story haunting goodness with that sort of relationship drama thrown into it as well.
1: Wow. So so you got a lot of paranormal in this.
3: Yeah, I really I love ghost stories and I love stories of haunting, so I I threw a a bunch of the stuff i love about that into the mix while you know trying to make it my own at the same time
4: are you a believer in the par- paranormal or are you more agnostic or skeptical
3: i'm i'm a bit of a scully which i know a lot of young people might not get that text files reference but mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a little on the skeptical side mm-hmm. but i'm an open-minded skeptic skeptic i I'm fascinated by those stories, and I love to, and I've met people who say they've had real experiences, and I can find their stories compelling, but not having experienced anything myself, I can't really say
1: I believe,
3: yeah, but that's um, so fair yeah, enough. I'm, a, yeah. I'm a little skeptical, but I am fascinated. Mm, nice, okay.
1: Yeah, that's funny, because I, I, some people too young to know Scully, I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm technically the, the correct demographic, but I never was into the show. But I, I, I knew what you meant when you said it. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I know from reruns. Okay, how's that? yeah. yeah old...
3: Well, I'm pretty... of the perfect age to remember when that was like a cultural phenomenon going yeah. on. Yeah, it was like the early '90s, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, I was busy hanging out with Courtney Love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Seattle, you know, everyone was doing yeah. heroin. You know,
4: <laughs> it's, hard to it's hard to remember anything after that.
1: <laughs> well, so uh, this is this is pretty interesting. So now you um, so where do you get your paranormal stories from? Like, where do you draw from?
3: Well, I mean, some of it is just the long tradition of ghost stories. I sort of pick what I like from those stories discard what doesn't work for me I also happen to know some folks I'm good friends with a um, a guy who does paranormal investigations in Savannah Georgia Mm -hmm. has his own company um, does ghost tours he's written several books about the investigations his team have done and um, he tells me a lot of stories about you know things that he's experienced and I, I sort of used him as some research <laughs> and uh, and you know, I, like, so for, I'm I fascinated by these stories so I do like to meet people and talk to them, people who say they've had these things happen to them and like, I, I draw from all that and then I sort of, I also just sort of make some of it up and In this story in particular, like, I made some of my own rules about how ghosts and hauntings work. Um, Because, you know, that's the good thing about being a writer. Like, you can just be the god, and in this fictional world, this is how it works.
1: Mm -hmm. Pretty interesting. So now, does your... um, With your books, do you get into the um, psychological horror or is it a little bit more graphic and a little bit more um, slash?
3: Um, It really depends on the book. I mean, I've written books that are specifically meant to be like homages to the slasher films I grew up on in the 80s and those tend to be a little bit more gory and violent. Particularly with my ghost story stuff, I like to be a little more on the Atmospheric and the psychological side. And with 2B, I really, I mean, not to make it sound like more than it is, because it, it is just a fun ghost story, but in some ways, I'm also talking about, you know, trauma and how we deal with trauma and how people react to people who've gone through trauma. So I, I feel like I really got more into the psychological aspect in this one. Mm
1: hmm. Well, where do you draw from? Like, what kind of horror do you do you consider good? Uh, Like that you really um, you really get into? Like, is it kind of an Alfred Hitchcock style, or do you maybe maybe talk to that?
3: I've often said, probably my greatest influence as a storyteller is the original Twilight Zone. I grew up in a time when those reruns were all over TV and then they did the 80s revival incarnation which I also watched a lot of but in a lot of ways that informed my idea of horror I particularly enjoyed I mean it was a it wasn't like some gothic castle usually or some you know setting I couldn't relate to it was a world I recognized but things were just slightly off kilter. And and I that's what I like. And I As I got older, I got into the works of Stephen King, and I felt, felt like that was what he did. He introduced a world that was familiar to me. It was like my street. It was like my town. But then you just insert that one element that's a little off, and that's where the horror comes from, the invading of the world you know with this, Otherworldly
1: presence. So, sort of sounds like twenty twenty, but um, yeah. Oh, you're
4: talking. You're talking about the year. You're not talking about the show with Barbara Walters and John Stock. Bob. That's where my mind went.
1: Yeah. Barbara Wawa. Um,
4: Barbara Walla. <laughs> um. What? Well, so, Mark, do you like? Uh, what is the the main emotion you go after with your horror? I know you said you've done different kinds, but is it more uh, suspense-oriented? Is it more about like, you said you love ghost stories, so is it more about being chilling and
3: under the skin? I I feel like I probably more often do go for the more subtle horror. I, I feel like that saying that some people, you know, that's not what they're really into, but I like the horror that kind of creeps up on you that's a little more insidious, not necessarily so in your face, but the kind that kind of gets under your skin and keeps you thinking about it after you've closed the book. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to sort of sneak up on the reader.
4: How long is this book? How many words is it, the new one?
3: Now, um, 2B is, is pretty short. It's around between 35 and 40.
4: It's okay, just, so if you consider it a novella, or are you, is it uh, it creeps right up on the length of a short novel?
3: It's sort it's right on that cusp. It's probably really more of a novella, but I've noticed some publishers don't like that word. So yeah, that's a tricky one. Yeah, because yeah. I think the buyer so, wants
4: to feel like they're getting more value. Uh,
3: so it's it, it's being marketed as a short novel because it is sort of right on that cusp of being too long to be considered a novella but it's also the link the publisher was looking for it's a it's a new publisher he wanted to start out with some stuff that was a little shorter you know just some quick reads for people to get familiar with his brand
4: what's the name of the publisher
3: uh, it's valhalla
1: books oh, Okay.
3: and um this is their first they published an anthology um last year and this is their first single author book that they're published.
4: oh that's really cool Oh, that's, so that's an honor.
3: I, I was pretty thrilled when he, yeah, I was in that anthology, and then he, he came to me and asked me if I had any ideas for a short novel, and um, I pitched him a few ideas. This actually was not the one he responded to the most strongly, okay. but like I said, it's an idea I've had for so long. Just bringing it up kind of made me think, like maybe now's the time. So um, mm. I wrote it in about two months for him, and we were off and running. Oh, wow. So it could be the house that uh, Gunnel's built. It could be like
4: he's, uh, he's uh, betting on your talent, which is really nice. So hopefully it won't be the house that Mark demolished. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, don't, you just take all the credit and none of the blame. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow. So, you know, when you, when you do this, like, so how did you find your characters? So you got, uh, what is it? It's, it's Berkeley um woke up yeah. to find himself in the hospital uh, and he discovered his ex was dead after a failed murder attempt murder suicide attempt um so that's that's a pretty intense thing so you got a couple where you're you're saying that the one uh, tried to kill the spouse and then himself or herself um where where does that come from for you personally
3: um I always had the general idea, but the characters themselves really developed as I started writing. Um, I don't know, it's this weird thing that I don't know how to explain, but sometimes when I start writing, I know some general information about a character, but it's really when I get them moving and start putting them in situations that I sort of discover their personalities, which helps inform the rest of the book, because when I really get a firm grip on their personalities and it's like okay so they're not going to do this at this point so the story needs to take a different direction but um these characters in particular I had a lot of fun with just discovering them as I wrote them there were was one character named Zane that I didn't even expect to be in the book much but really took on a much more prominent role and I don't know that's part of the fun for me is really digging in and I don't do like a lot of detailed character outlines before I start. Like I said, I get a general idea, a premise, I start, and that's when it all starts to happen in the writing itself.
1: Wow. But that's, that does cover a lot of emotion when you're talking murder-suicide, right?
3: Yeah. And it did, it did, I mean, I think the reason I didn't write it 20 years ago is I don't think I was ready or equipped to really work with that those intense emotions yet. Um, because, you know, obviously when you start off with something like that, it ends up going in a very dark direction. And, um, I mean, the weird thing is, <laughs> as dark as it was, I still was having a, a lot of fun. But, um but those are, those are very intense emotions, and I feel like I had to be a little more mature if you could call me mature to um mm-hmm. to really deal with them in an effective way,
1: yeah, I think you have to be of a certain age to understand it more um, so that's that's pretty in, intense of a subject, so. Um, Is that kind of an underlying theme or important um, after someone reads the book? Are they going to walk away thinking about that?
3: Well, I hope so, because like I
1: said, I I felt like it. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
3: Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30,
3: bet you get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month,
2: sold. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot
3: talking almost in a metaphorical way just about trauma that people experience in their lives and how we deal with it how we try to get over it and particularly um i feel like when you've suffered something some great tragedy in your life sometimes the people around you get a little tired of it almost like they're they're just ready for you to get over it and get back to being who you were before the event mm-hmm. and which can actually make it even harder for you to really deal with it so i was i guess i want the reader to somewhere in the back of their mind you know be left thinking about that
1: yeah i think there's a certain point when with something like that it's going to change that person period so the survivor of something like that like in this case um, uh, B- Berkeley, uh, he'll never go back to normal. You know, I think they have to yeah. realize that that it's it's changed. That that old person is gone, really.
3: Yeah, exactly. And even when I when I deliver the manuscript to the publisher, some of his early notes, he was commenting on you know, some of Berkeley's behavior isn't always that likable, and I'm like, well. Mm-hmm. You have to put yourself in his shoes, and what he's been through, he's dealing with a lot. He's not always going to act the way people want him to act. I don't think that makes him unsympathetic. I think you can still empathize with him. But, you know, hes you're not going to go through something like that and then just go back to everyday life like nothing happened.
1: No, not unless you were the one doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so if you had more of of a, do you think you'll ever go back to this kind of this story or this this kind of story when you have um, a fuller book to write, like more more, where you're not limited?
3: Um, well, in some ways, I don't because I always feel like every story is as long as it needs to be. I always knew this story was going to be more novellish length, so I don't feel like I cheated anything out of it. I feel like it it had everything in it it needed to have. But that being said, I do still... Like, I have another version of a haunted house story in my head that I want to write that I would I think I would call Imposter Syndrome... And it would, it would be a bigger story and it wouldn't deal exactly with the same types of issues as 2B, but it would deal with some, I want to deal with insecurity and not feeling good enough and, you know, the doubts that a lot of us feel when we're pursuing our dream. And I do think that will be a larger canvas when I get around to writing that one.
1: Hopefully it won't be 20 years. like Yeah, because then you'd be old like me. No, I think that, (laughs) uh, and I didn't mean cheat, I just meant that, because sometimes when you write something like this, you know, you're doing a certain size book and you're writing a, a story, but sometimes, as you say, as the characters develop, you get more into the story, more in depth into what they are doing and how they act and react to the situation and to each other, so sometimes you learn um, new emotions or new ideas from that, and it's it's just I, I I meant more develop it go go even further.
3: Yeah, and like I I definitely want to continue with some of these ideas. I have other stories I want to write first, but that other idea is definitely in my head as something I want to get to. Of course, I have you know, jostling for position with a ton of other ideas I want to get to. And that's, that's my biggest problem is figuring out, like, which one is screaming at me the loudest to be written.
4: Mm-hmm. When you say this one to be took 20 years, um, so that's obviously from inception to completion. Throughout that time, where there different points where, like, certain forms of awareness would come to you about it or what it wanted to be and, oh, we could go in this direction or was it more that the kernel of the idea had been there for a couple of decades and when you had an opportunity uh, to execute with this publisher, you were able to jump on it?
3: When I first got the idea 20 years ago, it was, it was fairly fully formed. Like, I definitely knew the beginning and I definitely knew the ending because the ending really was the driving force of the idea. Mm-hmm. Some of the middle stuff was kind of vague, but I felt like I, I pretty much had it, but for whatever reason, I didn't feel ready to tell it. And then about 10 years ago, I did make an attempt. I did about a chapter and a half, and I just was mm-hmm. not happy with it. I loved the idea so much, and I'm like, I'm not doing it justice. So, And when I finally did write it, I didn't use any of that stuff that I had <laughs> had written, but... I don't know, it's almost like the time was right. When I mentioned the idea to him, it all kind of came flooding back to me and I got excited. And I will say there were aspects of it when I was writing that I didn't envision when I first had the idea. And that was more in that, that middle part that was always kind of vague to me. But I stayed pretty true to that original idea I had 20 years ago. I just feel like I had to mentally be ready to tell that story. And it—that's it, just how t- long it took.
4: Mm, yeah, yeah. Everything, everything uh, requires the right timing. Yeah.
1: So, so has this got a happy ending to it? <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I, I can't tell you anything, but I always say a happy ending depends on whose point of view you're looking at it from.
1: Wow. Well, okay. Even well, the
3: most tragic mm-hmm. ending might be a happy ending to somebody. In the uh, I'm getting an ominous feeling thinking about
4: that. Yeah. We have to read it and find out.
1: Well, I went, does he get to have sex with a ghost?
4: <laughs> you, Al, you took the words, but right out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking well, about that lady that uh, married a ghost, and then now she's divorcing the ghost because they just don't get along <laughs> in England. You know, it's a true story. I'm not... <laughs>
3: Yeah, I wonder if it's easier or harder to divorce divorce a ghost. I mean they've already proven they're gonna stick around.
4: Right, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so in in essence you're in this story, you're really kinda of saying that um this um this this desire, this um need to uh stalk someone or to to hold on to, you like, no one else is going to love you so um, they'll kill you so no one else can have you. That kind of thing yeah. is going on. It's reaching out the emotions strong enough to keep this, this, this person after death to uh, hold on to this other person.
3: Well, I mean, and I feel like when you've been in relationships like that where it's almost like you just can't like you you feel like you're entangled with someone and you can't get untangled. I think it feels like that. You feel like, you know, there's, I can't get away from this person and no matter what, even death might not be able to stop them. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I also think the story, you know, is going to provide some surprises and some unexpected turns for people Um, because it's not always, just like with relationships and love, it's not always what it seems so i think there'll there, there's some surprises in there for readers as well
1: mm, nice so is so, so you never had you so you shot this out in a couple of months so you must have done this just in the last year in in 2020 um so so 2020 didn't bother you or didn't affect the way you were writing or didn't didn't change anything for you
3: um in a weird way it. It, it helped my writing because in the early spring of last year, I got furloughed for work, from work for a couple of months, and I was full of anxiety like the rest of the world, and I thought, I've got to do something so it doesn't drive me crazy. So while I'm furloughed from work, I'm just going to pretend I'm a full-time writer. Mm, yeah. I'm going to act like that is my job. I wrote, I'm going to write every day. I'm going to write as much... and in that two-month period, I wrote a novella um, that I sold to a publisher that'll be out next year, but when I did go back to my day job, I carried that momentum with me so that, you know, every morning I get up, I come in here, I write, and I've I've been very productive ever since that, you know, I was somewhat productive before that, but some days I would half-half, it, some days I would skip it. But since I got furloughed from work, I have been very consistent in my commitment to writing every day and treating it like, you know, even now that I'm back at work, I'm still treating it like I'm a full time writer. So it's actually really helped my input, my output.
1: So so uh, we need another uh, another um, <laughs> virus to make yeah, it Yeah. <laughs> wow.
3: I would. Want- I wouldn't wish that on the world, but, you know, like I said, for me, it was just trying to keep myself from getting so full of anxiety that I just drove myself crazy. I needed that outlet to sort of pour my anxiety into. So in that way, it was sort of therapeutic for me.
1: And that, that was sort of help in writing this type of subject, do you think? Like when you have that much exi- anxiety, and you got all the stress going on around you, and you're worried about stuff, it must go into your writing then with this subject.
3: It it, it was somewhat cathartic in a in a weird way. Like I can, I could channel, you know, whatever negative dark emotions I had into the story, and it didn't like completely alleviate them, but it gave it an outlet that helped. You know, lessen it so that I wasn't so anxiety-ridden, um, especially like I said during those months when I was out of work and wasn't sure when I would be going back.
1: Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, so, what do you got planned next? What what, what are you going to be working on now? Or are you are you taking time off from it?
3: Um, I never take time off of it. I guess because. To me, it doesn't feel like something I need to take time off of, but I do have, later this year, I'll have another book with Crystal Lake publishing a suspense novel called Before He Wakes, and I'm currently finishing a new novel, which is one of the rare non-horror novels that I write. Um, I, I got inspired when I did 2B because I had had that idea for so long. There was a novel idea that had been rattling around in my head since I was in college that I decided I was finally going to write. Um, I, I call it my more explicitly LGBT take on Rebel Without a Cause. Mm. Uh, so it's more uh, literary. Well, I hope my horror is as literary as the other stuff, but... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, I'm saying
4: uh, yeah. in terms of, uh, yeah. not in terms of quality, in terms of genre classification.
3: Yeah, yeah it, it's definitely yeah. sort of I it's weird that I, I think of it as non-genre, although nothing is without a genre, but it's not like horror or suspense, or although there are some suspenseful moments, but it is more of a, like a drama story. And mm-hmm. um, I do those on occasion, and like I said, this one, I just thought, you know, why don't I finally get to that? It was an idea I'd had so long that I never thought I would really write it and actually wrote it into one of my novels as a m- movie someone was making. So... Anybody who read that book might recognize it as a movie in, in there.
4: Oh, nice. It sounds like you're pretty productive. I mean, it sounds like listening to you talk about your projects, that there is an element of you, you have good discipline when it comes to sitting down and getting it done. Like, you're not, I know you said that um, to be took 20 years all in all, but it sounds like uh, you're one of those writers who has the confidence to have a few things going on at once or juggling different ideas. And then, you know, if you commit yourself to it, you'll get to the end.
3: Yeah, and you know, somebody actually at work today was just mentioning, you know, the different projects I have finished since I've been there, but I'm like, you know, I just do it every day. I get up, I do the work and yeah. I it's fun for me. Like I look forward to like getting in here to the keyboard and seeing what happens next. So Yeah. I, I feel like I get to the end because I'm just dying to to get there. I'm just Oh, that's the way so I'm much, telling so. myself the story.
4: Yeah, and that usually I've found with uh, the process that that helps it to be more suspenseful on the other end, because if you're if you're feeling that it's going there's gonna be a contact high for the reader, that you know you've wired it together in this way with anticipation.
3: Yeah, that's my hope because I feel as a reader I can tell when a writer was really excited about the story. And it's somewhat infectious to me as the reader. Like, I'm infected by the excitement the writer has for the story. Right, right. Um,
4: What is your daily, so what is your daily discipline? Um, Do you have a daily word target you try and stick to?
3: I don't usually do word counts or page numbers just because I'm the kind of person that if I put too much pressure on myself, Mm -hmm. it cripples me in a way. Like, my my discipline is I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to come in here and write. Some days it may be several pages. Some days it may be a page.
4: I'm what not about beat it,
3: myself up about that.
4: What about in terms of the time? Are you generally in there for the same amount of time each day, regardless of page output, or does that vary too?
3: Typically, I'm in here for the same amount of time. Sometimes with the day job because I I work in the um, in a bookstore at a local university. Okay. So, like when the new semester starts, my hours increase. So then I usually have less time. Typically I have a good two hour chunk that I can sit in here during those new semesters. I might just have half an hour to 45 minutes, but typically I have it the same two hours every morning that I can sit in here and work.
4: Oh, that's great. Okay. And do you feel, um, during that period, I'm, I'm going to guess the answer is yes, but I want to hear your answer because you said you have this excitement and anticipation to see where the story's going and there's the joy of creation. I want to get back to it and, you know, go back into that world. Do you feel emotional when you're doing the writing? Are you are you communicating in a way that's primarily emotional through your work?
3: Yeah, I, I really think I, I am because it is all caught up in my emotions. And I can usually tell if the story is going off the rails if I'm not feeling that emotion.
4: Yeah, you am be becoming too cerebral.
3: If I'm not feeling what I hope the reader is gonna feel, then I'm like, okay, something's wrong. I need to rework this. I need to just go back, get out of my own head, and try to get back in touch with the emotional aspect of the of the scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, pretty
1: interesting process. Um, okay, now, so you have a website, right? Or
3: I have a I have a blog. Markgunnels.livejournal.com. I didn't used to update it that much, but I'm much better at it now. Um, And I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all that stuff we writers have to do now to promote ourselves. Um, But not I've resisted the TikTok because it just seems like a lot of young people dancing lackadaisically. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, Eric does that all the time. Tough to get him off. Yes, Yeah, I can't get him.
4: That's all I can think about. (laughs) <laughs>
1: well it's been pretty it's, it's a good conversation as always um, glad you came in and told us about your new book or new novella coming out it's called 2B um, our guest has been Mark Allen Denels thank you for talking to us
3: thank you for having me and letting me babble
0: This has been a production of Something Weird Media. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, Good night.